Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, last week we had over 200 people that watched our services live stream. That means not just watch during the week, but actually watch live while they were going on. So I want to say hi to all of our live stream people there. And uh, good to have you with us this morning. Take out your Bibles and turn over to the book of Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Now, my son has given my wife a lot of different uh, nicknames in her life. But one of Dawn's nicknames is GPS. And she's nicknamed GPS because especially in stores like in a shopping mall, when she comes out, she never goes the right direction. She always goes the direction that she had come in before. And so Andrew has a way for her to handle that. He says, come out of the store, think hard, which direction should I go? And then go the opposite of whatever you come up with. And then you'll know you're always going to be going uh, in the right way. But sometimes... GPS doesn't always get us exactly where we want to be. A lady in Northbridge, Massachusetts, trying to get to a friend's house uh, that had just been built on a golf course, and this is where she ended up following her GPS. But those sand traps are pesky things, you know, that's why they're there. But the good news is the lady's house was just right across uh, that fairway there, so she almost made it all the way. Then there were three Japanese tourists in Australia last week who were trying to get to North Stanbrook Island off the coast of Australia. But if you're in Australia and you're going to an island, you've got to like go out into the water to get there. They follow their GPS and this is where they ended up. Uh, It was actually had to take a ferry out to the island, but they almost got to the ferry uh, as they were there. So that that was not good news for them either. Well, this morning... We're going to look into the book of Romans, and we're going to follow God's GPS uh, for us when it comes to how to be saved, what is salvation all about. Now, we're going to see as we go through this that everything that we've talked about in the past few weeks, we're going to see today. Uh, We've talked about the fact that... that, God loves every person in this world, doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. We've talked about the fact that our job is to love other people, uh, that our good works, our right beliefs aren't going to make us right with God. Uh, We've seen that the best that we can do is to treat others the way that we would want to be treated. And we're going to see all of that come together today as we take a little look through the book of Romans, as we actually lay out what is the plan of salvation. This is something I like to do at least once a year. Uh, You need to hear over and over again, what is the plan of salvation? What's involved in that? And this is often called the Roman road, the Roman road, uh, because it goes through the book of Romans. So if you have never been through the Roman road and you don't think it's heretical to write in your Bible or to underline, if you don't think God will send you to hell for doing that or something, you might want to just mark some passages here uh, as we go through. And uh, if you think you're going to go to hell, you might just want to keep it in the back of your mind there uh, somewhere like that. Or just take your bulletin home with you uh, because it's uh, in the outline there in your bulletin uh, as well. So we're going to uh, uh, kind of walk through this. Uh, and, and look at God's plan for salvation. And there's nothing in here you haven't heard before, but hopefully as we put it together, you might see it in a little bit different light. And the first is over in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. 
And what we see is this. Sin is a problem that everybody shares. Sin is a problem that everybody shares. Now, if you write in your Bible up in the top, you can put problem equals sin. That's what's going on here. The problem is sin. So you look down to Romans 3.23, and it says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So who's it talking about when it says all people? All people. See, you all are theological uh, geniuses out there. It means every person, anybody in this world, everybody that's ever lived is a sinner. We've all chosen our own way. We've all gone wrong. We've all done things that are displeasing to God. Now, that word sin that's being used here, uh, you've heard this before, it's actually an archery term, and it means to miss the mark, that you're shooting at the target and you miss the mark. Uh, And so what mark are you missing? You're missing the mark of God's best and what God would want for you in your life. And so when you miss that mark uh, and, and you've gone short of that, that's what we then call sin. You're choosing your own way. You're going to do it your way. You don't care what God says. You don't want care what God thinks. All of us end up doing that several times in our lives, several times in a day, uh, probably. Uh, we all miss the mark and come up short. Now, the problem is that most of us think, well, we're okay, though, because we compare ourselves to other people. And when we compare ourselves to other people, we think, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm sure not as bad as they are or something like that. And you can always look around to find somebody a little bit worse than you and then feel better about yourself. Uh, But that doesn't get us very far. Because if you look at that verse again, it's up on the screen right now. For all have sinned and fallen short of what? For all have sinned and fallen short of other people. Is that what it says? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You're not comparing yourselves to other people. You're comparing yourselves to the glory of God. And when we compare ourselves to a perfect God, all of us come up short. Sure, you might do better than other people. But let's say 64 is an F on the test and your friend gets 10 and you get 54. You've done a whole lot better than they have. Man, they were really stupid. But guess what? You both get an F. And that's kind of what's going on in this world. We look at people and we think, well, I'm a lot better than they are, but we still miss the mark of the glory of God. And so sin is a problem that everybody shares. That brings us to the next thing that we see. It's over in Romans 6.23, 6.23. So we've seen that the problem is sin and the consequence is death. The problem is sin, the consequence is death. So our problem has deadly consequences. Look at Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. Now, what are wages? Wages are something that you earn through work that you've put in. So you go to work, you work your eight hours, or if you work at church, you know, you work your two or three hours, you know, you, can, you, you, you put it in and uh, then you expect your wages that you're owed, that you deserve because you put in the time. Well, what we're told here is that there are wages to your sin. That you have, you deserve something from it. It's something you put into it. You put in the work. You made the choices. You did those things. And therefore, there are wages for the sin that you have committed. And the wages for the sin that you have committed, we are told, is death. 
So there are consequences to behavior. And that's something that we need to understand, that there are always consequences to any behavior that we have. And we're told the consequence of the behavior of sin is death. So what's the wage of sin? The wage of sin is that you're going to live a lesser life in this world, that, that you're going to choose things that will make your life harder and worse, hurt other people, may hurt yourself. That's going to be part of the wages of sin is a lesser life. Another part, one of the curses of sin in the Garden of Eden is death. Uh, because of sin, you're going to die. You're not going to, to uh, live eternally in this world. This body's going to get old, decay. Sin will bring death, and sin will bring the judgment of God beyond that. And so we see all of those things, and we see that then there are consequences to our behavior, and the consequence is death and judgment. So sin is a problem everybody shares, and that problem has consequences. And that brings us to the next thing we see, the third thing, over in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans 5, verse 8. And the solution then is Jesus. The problem is sin. The consequence is death. The solution is Jesus. Look down to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you begin to look at those verses and what you see is this. Okay, we now have a problem, a sin problem. It has some deadly consequences. What are we going to do about those consequences? Well, last week we talked about the fact that having right beliefs aren't going to help you to get right with God. You can have the perfect theology and the perfect doctrine, but it's not going to make you right with God because none of us are going to understand everything when it comes to the glory of God. We are finite human beings trying to understand an infinite God. But the second thing that's not going to make you right with God is your actions aren't going to make you right with God. Being a good little boy and girl isn't going to make you right with God. Sin management isn't going to make you right with God. As a matter of fact, the more you try to be good, the more you're going to see that you fail. And what you're trying to use to bring you to God is going to take you away from God. So if right belief doesn't do it, if right action doesn't do it, then what does? Romans 5, 8 tells us very clearly God's love through what Jesus did on the cross. Turn back to Romans chapter 3 again. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, where we started. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So how are you made just with God? You're not made just by what you do, by your good beliefs or your good actions. You're made just by what Jesus did. Verse 25, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to have uh, the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law. No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. So what's he saying here? He's saying that the solution to your problem isn't anything that you can do. The solution to your problem is only what Jesus did. Jesus went to the cross, died in your place, took your sins upon him so that you might be forgiven. You see, this whole thing has to do with God's justice. 
God is a just God. He is a fair God. And because of your sins, there is a penalty that needs to be paid for your sin. But because God is also a loving God and loves you, he has sent Jesus to pay that penalty for you. So there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. There's nothing that you can believe to earn your salvation. It all comes down to what Jesus did. Now that's good news. It's good news in this way. If you had to depend upon what you did, you should always be worried if you've done enough. Have I believed all the right things or did I leave something out and I'm going to be in trouble? Am I doing all the right things or did I mess up and now I'm I'm away from God and he doesn't love me anymore because I did something wrong? If you're depending upon yourself, you should always be worried. But salvation is not you doing anything. It is what Jesus has done for you. So our problem is sin. The consequence is death. The solution is Jesus. And that brings us to the fourth thing that we see over in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Our response is to believe and accept what Jesus has done for us. Our response is to believe and to accept what Jesus has done for us. Look at Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And then down in verse 13, it says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you look at that again. So then what do we do? Jesus is the solution then how do we get that solution? We're told if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So what is confession? When someone finally makes a confession in a court of law, what they're doing is, all right, I'm finally laying it on the line. I'm telling you the truth. This is what really happened. I'm confessing. I messed up. I did it wrong. I'm guilty. So you're making this confession before others. When you get to the point of confessing, I can't do it myself. I've messed up. I've tried and it keeps getting worse. And I have to now say, I can't do it anymore. I confess I can't do it. And then you go from your confession that you can't do it to your belief that Jesus can do it. Now, this is more than just a little mental ascension. Okay, I believe Jesus died for me and uh, that's it. This word that is used in the Greek for believe is not a noun. It's a verb. And for all of you great grammatical scholars out there, what does a verb do? A verb shows action. That's exactly right. That's the only thing I know about grammar, uh, by the way. And you're thinking, oh, we hear you every Sunday morning. We know you know nothing about grammar. Don't worry about that at all. So a verb shows action. So a verb is active. It's doing something. If you confess with your mouth, I've messed up, I can't do it myself. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, this is not just a mental ascension in your mind. It's a belief in the heart that causes your actions to be different. I'm going to change the way I'm living. I'm going to bring myself in alignment with God. I believe in him. I'm going to start following him. He is my Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You've now made him Lord of your life. And so that belief is an action that goes along with that. So the problem is sin. The consequence is death. The solution is what Jesus did in dying for you on the cross. And then what we need to do to get that is to confess that we've messed up and to have a belief where we begin to follow Jesus as Lord. 
It's more, again, than just believing it in your heart or believing it in your mind. I believe those things about Jesus. No, guess what? Satan believes those things about Jesus, the book of James tells us. I don't think he's saved, okay? Uh, it's not just believing something in your head. It's following it in your life and in your heart. I believe it enough that it's now going to make a difference in my life. Jesus Christ is my Lord. When that happens, we're told you will be saved. Now, we're going to look at two other things that aren't often aren't included in the Roman road. And so you can call this Chip's Roman road, okay, uh, that we have here. So there's the historic Roman road, and then there's the one that really counts, Chip's Roman road, okay? So we're going to look at a couple of other things that go hand in hand, because if we leave it here, I don't think we actually see the full picture of what's happening. So the next thing that I want to look at is this. Why is God doing this in the first place? If you've messed up and you've done wrong and you're sinning, why would God care enough about you to send Jesus to die for you? It makes no sense. What's all of this about? What is God's purpose? And God's purpose is to bring us into a loving relationship in his family. Look over to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we have become God's children. So you are God's child. Why would God love you? Because he created you? Because he is invested in you? You are special to him? You are his child and he loves you. And he would do anything to keep you with him. If you've ever had a child yourself, that child may aggravate the daylights out of you, but you don't stop loving them. And it's the same thing here. There's times we aggravate the daylights out of God, but he doesn't stop loving us. He wants more than anything else for us to be with him and to live a kind of life that shows that we are in a relationship with him. God didn't save you so you wouldn't die and go, you'd go to heaven. God saved you to be in a relationship with him. And part of that relationship is that nothing's going to keep you from God. Even if you die, he's not going to let you be separated from him. He's going to raise you from the dead and take you to be with him forever. So it's all about that relationship. Look back in chapter 8 again and just read one verse up in verse 15. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. You have received a spirit of sonship. And by it, we cry out, Abba, Father. He says, look, God's become your daddy, basically. Abba was the word that a child used for their male parent. It was daddy. He says, you now call God daddy. You're in a new relationship with him. God loves you. You were created by him. You were special. Anything that we make, we're invested in. Uh, you know, if I mow the grass, I sit there after I've done it and think, Man, I did a good job. You know, I, I did some serious mowing out there. Now, generally what I did is I sat back and with my iced tea and I think, man, Don did a good job of mowing that grass. And since we're one in God, it's like I did it. You know, it's right there. But you're invested in something you've done yourself. Now, when I was in high school, we used to have shop class, uh, industrial arts. Anybody here take industrial arts? 
Yeah. Well, back in my day and age, uh, in Oldham County, Kentucky, everybody had uh, their rifles on gun racks in their cars. Now, today you'd be arrested like 20 times over or something like that. But in shop class, everybody made their, their, uh, their, their little things that held the rifles in the trucks. Or they made cabinets or, or beds or something like that. Well, the, the teacher was afraid for me to be near anything that could chop my hand off because he saw my great abilities. And uh, so he said, Chip, instead of making a gun rack or a dresser or an end table, maybe you should make a wallet. And so it was still dangerous because I had a sharp edge knife that I had to cut the leather with and everything. But I made a wallet. Now, that was 40 years ago. Am I in any way still invested in that wallet? I've still got that wallet, and it looks good. I mean, I did, I did that sewing. I stamped those flowers on it. This is the wallet I made, and 40 years later, I still have it because I'm invested in something I made. You were made by God, and he loves you with a passion, and he is invested in you, and the purpose of all that we have talked about today is for you to be in a relationship with him. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. So then, if all of this is now changed, and my, my purpose is to be in a relationship with God, then what's my aim and goal in life need to be? We now have a new aim and a new goal in life. And let's see what that is over in Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. It says, let no debt be outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. So what's it mean to be in a relationship with God? What does God want and expect from us? Now, generally, this is what happens. We accept the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us, and we want grace to be forgiven of our sins. But then we'd ask ourselves, okay, now how am I supposed to live my life? I've come into this. God wants a relationship with me. How am I supposed to live? And our default position almost every time is sin management. I'm going to please God and be in a relationship with God by trying to clean myself up and never doing anything bad again. And so we're always feeling guilty and we're always feeling frustrated because our relationship with God becomes about sin management. And so we always feel like we owe God a debt. I've never quite done enough. I've never been good enough. I always mess up and we always feel like we owe God this debt. But your debt's already been paid through what Jesus did. You're not being just by your actions or your sin management. You're just by Jesus dying on the cross to you. The only debt that is outstanding for you now is the debt to love one another. And then if you remember, this is a four-week sermon series so far. In all four weeks, we've heard the same thing in a different verse. Because loving others fulfills the entire law. We've heard that over and over and over again. Loving others fulfills the law. So how do you do, what do you, how do you live now that you're in this new relationship with God? You live it by loving and caring other people. 
Last week, we had 14 ministries that we're involved in out in our community in the rotunda out there. Ways that we're trying to reach out and make a difference from, from feeding the hungry to caring for the homeless, uh, you know, across the board. You saw everything going on that this church is involved in in our community. All about loving and caring for other people. To treat people the way that you'd want to be treated. To treat people with respect and dignity. That it doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter the color of skin. It doesn't matter how much money they have in the bank or the kind of clothes they wear or what kind of part of town they live in. That the only thing that matters is that they are a child of God created in his image that God loves intensely and passionately for to the extent that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for them. And so if you want to know what it means to really be in a loving relationship with God, it means to love other people. Because when you do that, you fulfill all the law. Because what does God really care about? Does God care about how big your building is? Do you think God was up in heaven last week going, man, this is making me nervous. When's that steeple going to get put on? I mean, I can't do anything till they get that steeple. You know, this is, this is beyond me. You see, what God cares about is people. He cares about how your church helps people. So you want to renovate your sanctuary? That's great. How's renovating your sanctuary going to help people? So, so you want to uh, do some ministry in the community? That's great. How's that helping people? Because that's what God cares about. So when you love God's children, you're loving God. If somebody is mean to one of your kids, does it really get under your, your, uh, your skin a little bit? You don't like people being mean to your kids. God doesn't like people being mean to his kids either. And you will never meet a person in this world that isn't a child of God. So the way we treat them shows how much we love God. So you've seen the full spectrum now that we all share a problem called sin, that the consequence of sin is death, that the solution to the problem is Jesus dying on the cross for us and we did not deserve it, that the way you get that is to confess it, hey, I can't do it myself, and to have a belief that goes into action, I'm going to start making Jesus the Lord of my life. We've seen that then what happens is we become a child of God, a part of his family, and the way we're to live our life is by loving others. That's what we often call the Roman road. It's God's GPS for life. Jeff Brumstadt was a former Navy SEAL. And when he got out of uh, uh, the military after doing three tours of duty in Afghanistan, uh, he said he was a very intense person. And uh, he was working out in the gym one day in California, and the guy next to him said, hey, tell me a little bit of your story. And he started telling me about being in Afghanistan and some of the things that he did. And he said, you know, you're a, you're a good looking guy. You've got a great story. He said, I, I can't believe that you're not going to be successful in Hollywood and that you're going to be great for the kingdom of God. And he said, what are you talking about? I don't believe in this God stuff. And he said, oh, but you're going to, I can tell. And he said, I'm going to work on you every day we're in the gym. And so he just laughed. And, and so he began to talk to him every day in the gym, just throwing things, things out every once in a while until finally he said, okay, enough's enough. Let's go to lunch. And you pour it out on the table for me. And he said that what he thought he was going to hear was this. You're not living right. You're doing bad things. You need to stop them. And instead what the man said to him was, do you know how much God loves you? And how much God would do anything for you? And he said all those walls that he built his whole life begin to come down. 
Well, he immediately uh, started a ministry called Men and Valor Ministry after he was saved. His friend got him into being a stuntman. He's been in a lot of movies now. He owns his own stuntman company. He's been in Men of Valor, Act of Valor, and anything that had valor in it. Uh, but the reason I'm telling you this story is that uh, a few weeks ago, his wife saw a thing on Facebook where a lady said that she needed a new kidney. It was just something to come up on her on her uh, her, her uh, feed there on Facebook. And she showed it to her husband and says, I don't know why I just feel like we need to pray for the lady. And after they prayed for her, he said, I think we need to do more than pray for her. If we're going to love people, we've got to love them. He called her up and said, hey, I'm willing to give you my kidney if I'm a match. He went down. They, they did the test. He was a match. He gave her one of his kidneys. Today they are both doing really well. And when he asked why he did it, he said something very simple. God loved me. I need to love other people. Here's a picture of Jeff with the lady that uh, he gave the kidney for uh, right there. It's a remarkable story, but it's more than that. It says, what does God want us to do now that we're saved, now that we're a part of his family? And what God wants us to do is to love other people. There's a world all around you of hate and injustice and violence. And we can look at that world and rail against it and get angry at how bad it is. Or we can look at a world and see precious, beloved children of God who just need to know that they are valued, that they are important, that they have a God that loves them. And that's our job. And that's how we love God when we love others. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for the unbelievable love that you've given us. Help us now to give that love to others, knowing that when we do, we fulfill the law. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to this time of invitation where you're being invited to what God says to you. And there's a lot of things you can do during this time. Everybody in this room has things going on in your life, a lot of things that have hit you hard, and you can come and pray at this altar. We'd have ministers that would love to come pray with you as well. You can come at this time and say, I want to join this church. I want to be a part of what this church is doing. You can devote yourself to one of the ministries saying, Lord, I'm going to go check on some of those mission trips. I want to be involved in that. Help me to have eyes that see hurting people this week. Help me to do things that help to bring justice and care and love to our world. And you just make a commitment this week. I'm going to have different eyes as I go out in the world this week. But I want to talk for just a second. If you've never made that decision to have Jesus Christ in your life, you've heard everything that you need to know. You can't do it on your own. You can't clean yourself up enough to where it's going to matter. You've got to just say, I can't do it. To make that confession, I've tried. It didn't work. And to say, the only thing that's going to work is Jesus. And you come down this aisle and you say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want to follow him in baptism. I want to start that new life of love and forgiveness and grace. It's not fighting your sins. It's having a God that loves you and redeems you and restores you despite your sins. This is your time, though, is your opportunity. We stand together and we sing.
enjoy today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.